0: Seven Syracuse bands like Reviving Heart, the hardcore scene or something like yeah. that. Yeah, Revolver. And it's, Revolver, yes. Wow. Um, and it's very funny that like Heart of Man is included because like that demo, it's like three songs. One of which, one of oh, which wait, is, is an intro. Wait, is that the thing that like you showed us? that was like kind of <laughs> thing like, that kind of really seems bad. like it's a joke. It kind of yeah. seems like a joke. Well, the okay. kid who sings the kid who sings, I forgot his name, but he good kid, uh, good kid, back hard. <laughs> Which I hate saying, Uh, but I I mean, he's a good kid, but it's uh, it's just out of all the bands like
1: all for all, like played F.Y.A. And yeah, right. Well, I mean, they ran whatever was in. I assume someone pitched them that story in the form of either a writer for them or a press release or something. And that was the band that was mentioned. And I was thinking about this and this is actually somewhat pertinent to.
0: I mean, I don't also I couldn't name you, I guess, another hardcore band. If I had to choose seven, I guess they urban, would be
1: one of urban, them. Urban Camouflage. That's oh, hardcore. I, yeah. I don't know if they're that's in newer. there. They're, they're not in there, it was I checked. all listed. Uh, I don't remember. A Deal With God. Like, all of those bands. Street all for Hassle, All For All. Jude oh,
0: okay. Haswell just put out some new songs. So that songs great. They did. Yeah, I
1: haven't listened to it yet. But but this... Keg Stance can't Pub. Stance Pub should that. be on there. But here's here's why that got printed, is because someone pitched them a story, and there there is a story there. There's a coherent thread you can follow of like this there was this was an important city in the nineties or whatever for hardcore. Now there's bands that are doing something similar but different now. Again, that's a story. There's a beginning, middle and end, aka the present. And if you're pitching anyone anything, trying to sell someone something, you're trying to get someone to like something, you're trying to get some publicity. You need it you're selling a story. That's what you're selling. And what I think the Rochester scene needs that we used to have is uh at least on some level someone has to uh conceptualize the scene here as being part of a larger story there were people like uh our friend brett of real-time records etc my former bandmate he was very good at doing that you know he's like a movie guy he thinks that way oh yeah Uh, and i look back on the best periods of time in this city and it kind of felt that way it always whether it's a story or just like a you can see where thing, things leading somewhere like that's what's exciting to people. That's what's appealing. And yes, that's what like Revolver would would print, I guess. So we got to think about what we're you know, that's how I'm going to try to look at things here
0: um, from the uh, raucous, rebellious uh, years of the late 2000s and early 2010s to the uh, fledgling, burgeoning. I don't even know how to describe Rochester now.
2: Oh. <laughs> I mean it seems kinda of third rate to be
0: honest with you. Oh yeah, I mean like no offense to like our friends and No, but I mean here. just
2: compared to like Syracuse and even Buffalo, it's like there is there was like nothing going on. Well that's it's how really
1: that's much. what we should lean into then. And that's what'll make it not third rate anymore. I don't know if that's will, but like that's one story. This place what that
2: everybody here is like lazy and complacent and every <laughs> and also hates well,
1: No, just that everybody hates it here. Oh, okay. Which is that, why a good don't have a girlfriend, too. Yeah, that's a that maybe is less <laughs> of a winning story, oh. but
2: yeah, maybe. I think you have some re- some things you wanted to redact from the previous episode, right?
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so this is the Kings of Punk podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm one of your hosts, Tyler Hammer. You just heard Gary U.S. Bombs. Hi. And then previously, also Jake Razor. Hello. And I lost the last episode. I left ended with like a s- semi rant about how. You shouldn't burden the rest of society on social media with your your woes. Oh You're no, your
2: pedantic whining and such. You know,
0: I regret. I immediately regretted saying that. I mean, because it was like literally the day after, right? The morning after <laughs> uh, Jake revealed to us this nugget of beautiful
1: posting, like which I, I saw like right after I woke up for work early, and it was promptly deleted, which was a wise choice on the part of the unnamed person who was saying this hilarious shit uh, chiefly yeah this is relevant it was it was I don't give a fuck I'll say it like I'm not gonna say (laughs) names but someone I saw a post that straight up said uh the punk scene here in Rochester sucks it's failing it's dead um the city is dead the city is dead if we had a better scene here I wouldn't be single I've been single for seven years and that's how I know that the scene here is no good
2: that's the catalyst if it was any if
1: I was anywhere else I wouldn't. Be. I would have a girl. I'm going to be honest. Like I, on some level could understand having that thought privately. Like, yeah, I, that makes sense to me. I may have even like thought not the same thing, but somewhat similar things. But to say it and to frame it as like a metric of the scene quality that other people should care about is is wild. Like the, the way that would be an acceptable thought to have would be thinking. Like, yeah, I like I know the scene sucks here because I've been fucking single for seven years. Like, that means I should move to a place where the scene is better. That's not a reason why anyone else should do anything I mean, differently. That that yeah. kind of
2: also doesn't really make any sense. I guess I guess
1: we've got to start a
0: band so this guy can, can get, get, pussy? get pussy. No, that wouldn't work. That makes no sense. I mean, I,
1: I get it on the level of uh, personally and shout out to anyone who isn't like this. But like I I gave up on like meeting women in any other context when I was probably like 15 years old. Cause it's just like, yeah, I'm not, i who the fuck am I going to, it's not going to like, I, the only way for me to meet women is cause I have a band. Like that's just how it is. And, uh, so that is what it is. So you could understand having a thought like that, but why would anyone else care or think that's, that? I mean, that's
0: something that would be like, again, it's uh oh, introspection introspective. It's like, f- and it would be part of a list. It's like, yeah, listen, I mean, man, like, I haven't I've been single like there's it would you know what it'd be part of part of like there's no new people coming in. That's like that's the, the bottom. That's it. That's simple. I, I It's like you remove the girlfriend aspect and I would agree with you there. I would agree with you 100 percent adding that element. And it's like, well, I feel like it's
2: such it's such me. an outdated concept, too. It's like it's not fucking 19. 19- 85
1: anymore you, you know what I'm saying It's just like You know It's like yeah, 2004 It's like
2: th- This is like th- That's fucking Fantasy urban legend It's like That that does not exist
1: Wait which thing is
2: uh, Just like The the whole like Oh I, I do music To like meet Like a romantic partner It's just
1: like I don't Oh no I mean That seems no. fucking that was Totally a, stupid There was a thought When I was a teenager And since then It's mostly just been I, It would be the same way It would be like If as a teenager I st- Like if I got really Into Magic the Gathering And that was my whole thing <laughs> It would just be a given to me, like, if I get a girlfriend, I'm probably going to meet her playing Magic, because that's right, what I do right. in my free time. Um,
0: yeah, which goes I for think anything. that makes sense. Like, it's like, and, like, I actually would tell someone, if you want to meet people, you should do things, like, right. real things that involve interaction with people in, like, a positive way, which is, like, going to shows, playing Magic the Gathering, like, you're both, yeah, sure. like, and as Going silly to, as it's working sounds, at the gas station like yeah i mean that's better than uh being online and like you yeah. can yeah i guess being online is one of them but like it's so neck the on- online spaces are so negative even to this day so i don't know very so please hilarious keep posting everyone just tell us all, all the bad put behind, your worst plan, takes. no online. one is ever laughing at you uh behind your back with their friends uh, even your
1: friends No one is doing that I think I saying you guys The other hilarious ones I saw with like The Bitmoji avatar it Was what it say It was like If you believe in reincarnation You died Does your tombstone Say R.I.P. or B.R.B. I didn't oh, see yeah. that That's it's really, same, really funny, funny. <laughs> <laughs> There's the same one Same guy who Posted something was like My tax return was so small The tax lady Pulled it out of her purse To give it to me <laughs> Which doesn't even, like, make any sense purse? now that I'm thinking I mean, yeah, about it. Yeah, because it what? could
2: also be a lot, and she could have just, you know, who the fuck been is, able to pull it out of who her Who the purse? fuck is
1: the tax lady? Is that, like, the tooth fairy? Yeah, I don't the, yeah. understand.
2: Is that the lady who goes around giving everybody their tax money back and stuff? Yeah. And
0: is it her purse or, like, the taxpayer's purse that, like, is that, like, part
1: of her uniform? Like, yeah. She already handed the giant burlap sack to Zelensky, and now all she has left is a little purse, and that's... She's distributing it to the residents of North Syracuse. Apparently, I'm so. It's as close as I'm gonna get to doxing anybody. Is saying that. <laughs> I uh, I also if I'm coughing and sound awful,
0: I'm recovering from COVID, which I got earlier last week, and I've been out of work. Hopefully, when you hear this on Monday, I will not be working because I'll be still too sick. Because I I I still feel really shitty. Surprised. I and like. I missed going to D.C. to see Boxside Sniper Squadron, Spite, and Negative Plane, which uh, Gary did go. I did go. And I'm very bummed because I wanted to see a three-band metal show, which is, like, perfect, with three bands that I want to see. Also perfect. With one of the bands that put out my favorite demo last year, like, and the band Negative Plane, who I, like, now get. Like, I get that band now.
2: I thought they were a lot better live than on uh, recording.
0: Which, what did you listen to?
2: Uh, the pact. Yeah, that one is like. I mean, it's it's it. You know, it's a cool recording, but like live, there's like a energy to it that's just.
0: Yeah, I can I don't see know, that. It's
2: like I, I, I got more. My my interest was
0: fully piqued. Yeah, and it's crazy that the singer like plays guitar too. Like, yeah, there's a lot of goofy, like crazy ass riffs oh, on and that
2: the, thing. The drummer from Skullshitter was playing with. Really? Them. Yeah. Damn. I think he's like a fill in guy for them. Live. Okay. Yeah,
0: because they like they're like barely a band, in a, in yeah, a way. You know, know, they're from they're from New York City. They have like so. two records. They have <laughs> three. Like, oh, they have three. They
2: had like a really big gap between like I think their first one came out in like 2008 or nine, and then the second one in 2011, 11, and
0: then the last one was like two years ago. Or, or
2: yeah, yeah. It was just like, what's up with the
0: huge gap?
2: <laughs> Like, ah, uh,
0: busy with work.
2: Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is from Germany, I think. Oh, really? I don't know if he's from that. He's from there, but I don't know if he, like, I think he goes back and forth between mm. New York and Germany, something like that. Overall, good gig, though? Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. Besides, like, the cheapest beer at the uh, venue being $9. Jesus
1: Christ. That's fucked up. Yeah, Man, that's, that's a crazy, beer. I
2: mean, it sucks because it's like, oh, there's, like, some pretty good, you know, it's like a craft beer thing. It's like, there's some pretty good beers here, but it's like, you want me to pay nine dollars for like a plastic cup full of beer? Plastic. I mean, not even a fucking like how, a, not even a glass.
0: S- how strong are the beers? I mean, uh, the two I drank it, were like six um, percent, which is pretty good. Okay, that's I, I do like the drinking like a nine or eight and a half percent beer now, and like just getting like I got a, a Voodoo Ranger one. It was like 8% at that show that I think I got COVID from. Uh, And it's like, oh, this is like eight and a half. It's like, this is like three beers in one, pretty much.
2: I got a. uh, It's awesome. I got a sour beer, which was pretty good. I kind of like those, actually. Those are are actually really good. I like those, yeah.
1: yeah. The Voodoo Ranger, because of the orange can, I always, whether it's you drinking it, anybody else, I see it. And I th- always think the person is drinking a malt liquor called Dog Bite. Yes, that oh, they don't 100%. Make yes. one hundred percent. I'm, glad, exactly. I'm, of, I'm glad I'm not the only one who thinks that. Yeah, dude, those were almost undrinkable. Well, that um,
2: that's straight up business. Like they put like they put like you know piss that's been sitting around. That shit for a couple was weeks, like, straight
1: straight for homeless people. And I did oh get yeah. a good amount. I'm, my one coworker that I worked with
0: years ago might have drank some of those. That's for like severe like alcoholics. Yeah. that art like imbibe that like still exist in society and like but they're like dads yeah like <laughs> like that's the vibe like they got there might be older it's like they have to go to work every single day
1: they have biological they children get, i don't know they, they if don't they're get dads. yes <laughs> uh, <laughs> my worker
0: had kids i believe and uh uh they exist in society they function in society but like they need to get fucked up, and it's not good. And it's yeah, almost, it's not by choice. If what's, you
1: go one step further, than that was a malt liquor called Earthquake. That was the one I remember. I could not drink. It was like a dollar fifty for a twenty four ounce. That one is, I think, literally like the only people I ever saw drink it were were bums. Fully, bums. it makes sense.
2: Well, I wonder what, what's the alcohol percentage on a dog bite? Ten percent. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. wow, that's really, yeah. That's
0: God, it's for guys Jesus who Christ. like. Thirty percent of their paycheck goes to like child support still. Yeah, and they're like fifty, Fuck. and that's
1: like the best. That's the best case scenario. And it's like, hey, yeah, I'm not drinking generous. this because
0: it's like I'm not drinking this because it's good. I'm drinking this because I have to get fucked up. And no matter what, I need to save money.
1: Yeah, yeah, not a it, yeah. If you have to save money to get drunk, it's not a good sign. Uh, this is this is pertinent today's today to today's episode though. I was gonna too. say.
0: To we to wheel back to You're the tale of the tale of cities.
1: Yes, you know we're going
0: to yeah. be talking about a city that has very much a big story. Yes, and, uh, uh, going back to one of our segments we had kind of previously visited uh, our cities of cities. Yeah, a, a segment which we talked about like a choose a city talk about like its history with punk and hardcore. Uh, the first one was Nashville. Yep, which is an interesting one because. I don't think most people know about too much from nashville it's a country music we didn't but we found a bunch of stuff yeah there was punk scenes i mean people toured there uh in the 80s and early 90s and stuff like that so uh this
1: one is going to be a little bit different this one is a place we know pretty well uh and a place that we will return to i'm sure on the podcast many times and our band leaking head will be returning to for rust belt ripper fest in a mere two weeks. Yep. Oh,
2: Matt Tart should have got the memo that he can't. It's like, don't call it Rust Belt. Oh, That's yes. So
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, what? Uh, <laughs> so we were talking about the great uh, city of Cleveland. Um, and as part of kind of my spiritual preparation for this, I've been revisiting the American Splendor comics and also the movie and also uh, interviews with Harvey Carr, the so the known as the Poet Laureate of Cleveland. And uh, I watched an interview where him and his wife were talking about how he had been given the keys to the city after that movie with Paul Giamatti came out because he got them to make a big movie in Cleveland, and that never happens. Uh-huh. And then uh, in this interview, he said that um, they they wanted to like take it away afterwards because he called it a Rust Belt city, and the mayor and the city people from the city thought that was uh, insulting, and they want to get tourists, and they don't want they like didn't like that he was actually telling the truth, basically telling the truth, which yeah. he always did. Uh, rest in peace, Harvey P. great. Uh, comic writer uh would recommend american splendor to anybody uh yes this is a city that we've all played in we've all been to we've all liked a lot of music from we're not gonna be able to get in a ton of depth about the music because there's so much musical history there but we're gonna give kind of an overview and give our thoughts on the place because it's definitely a pl- i mean it's not a small city but I would certainly say it punches above its weight in terms of rock music generally and certainly in terms of not just punk, but like underground rock music, generally speaking. Metal, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure.
2: Makes sense. It's home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes.
0: I think it does like it kind of goes under people's radars, but it's like still there. Yeah. Like they see it on the the side of their eye and they kind of don't want to recognize it. It's just like, ah, it's like an
1: eyesore almost, but it's important. Well, it's an extremely unromantic city. It's not like I can remember my family stopping there on vacation because, oh, it's a big city. Let's see what's there. And aside from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like not a not a lot that like a family would want to do on vacation there.
2: You could catch a Cleveland Indians game. You You could.
1: There's some really cool architecture there. It was one of the biggest like this is one of those cities in the like 30s where rich people were like financing these grand architectural projects that were filled with Masonic symbolism that was supposed to make everybody in the city smarter or whatever. A lot of the stuff in Cleveland didn't get finished, but I some see of that it totally backfired. <laughs> <laughs> no, as we'll see people, I will say for with regards to Cleveland's culture, which is reminds me of, it reminds me of here a lot in that, like people there are not like dummies. They're not villagers, but they are, uh, Insular, I guess, would be the word.
2: They all have funny voices. Yes. I don't talk like this. It's not it's that like, they what, don't. What is that?
1: It's not that they're stupid and they don't understand. It's that they don't want to know. They don't want to hear about it, which is diff, <laughs> is very different. Um, And, yeah, in terms of rock and roll, just a brief piece of history before we get into kind of some more personal notes. Uh, The term rock and roll was coined in that city by a DJ named Alan Freed in 1951. He was nationally significant. He was the first DJ in America to, like, actually, like, first, yeah, first white radio DJ to actually play black artists. The thing that they had been doing was they'd wait for a white guy to do a cover of the song everybody liked, and then they'd play it. But he was on, like, in the middle of the night at first, so he would play the actual black artists, the original artists, and uh, he called it rock and roll. And then later... I don't remember how much later, but he got in trouble for payola for, you know, record labels, paying him to play records, which I think everyone did. Everyone did. I, you know, classic scapegoat. Uh, It still happens happens now. It happens probably on just a much grander scale now. I mean, yes, absolutely. I mean, look at. uh, Hey,
0: guys, go to uh, Spotify's Venmo history. See what's going on there. Okay, it's all public.
3: Why, their what's, venmo, what's account, on, <laughs> yeah. venmo account spotify's venmo
0: account freaking spotify's venmo account is public uh what's going on with this all these
1: payments from jason Jagosinski and good records i wonder what is going on damn <laughs> so let's I, I guess we could start with you guys what you guys want to speak a little bit about your personal experience with this city and or your impression of the scene there generally
0: oh well me and tim's uh or gary's history <laughs> Are, I think intertwined in a sense because uh, we, we've we played there a, quite a bit, I think. Yep. Um, more I think than this th-
2: time coming up will be our fifth or sixth time, I think, playing there.
0: Seventh. Wow. So we played there once yep. with Control by Fear. Once with once Human Descension. This will be our fourth time. Fourth time with Leaking Head. And then our third and We played there with, Toulouse, oh, with the Lucian. Realized? Oh, that's right! Wow. Um, so that. eight, eight, eight times, or seven times. Seven times. This will yeah. be our seventh time. Yeah. Uh, which is more than probably might be anywhere else. Almost honestly. most most out of town places, we'll say for Besides sure. Besides maybe like you know Buffalo something local to us like
2: Syracuse or Buffalo.
0: So, but um, no, we uh, we we knew a bunch of people who played Grindcore uh, in the early two twenty tens. Um, I'm not going to probably shouldn't he name. they the
2: they who will not be named they, they who shall not be they named are, yeah they're very apparent apparently very problematic still like I I don't I, still problematic that's how little I care about maybe not
0: this also group that we're talking about. playing in good bands still uh, that's their bigger problem that's the I, biggest well, problem yeah, it's like it's certainly a problem it's yeah. uh playing in a bunch of bands that are pretty they bad totally suck but uh you know we we, we uh We knew a bunch of people, um, or a decent amount of people from there. We recorded there, uh, my, my van was, got broken into when we played with human, our band, Human Dissension. We played with Hemdale, one of their, or like kind of early comeback shows, reunion shows. Back in 2015?
2: 2015,
0: yeah. Yeah, early 15, I believe, uh, and, uh, good times for the most part. I mean, uh, it kind of sucks, but, uh... Good band from there, Nun Slaughter. I mean, they're originally from Pittsburgh, I believe, and then moved. But they've been in Cleveland most of the time.
2: A lot of big, you know, it's a big heavier music, I think, because you yeah. got like Apartment Two Thirteen. Yep. Got Integrity. Integrity Classic. You got Nine Shocks Terror. Nine Shocks Terror.
0: i mm-hmm. uh, was um, Yeah, Machine Gordon Gun Kelly. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. So there's there's a lot of stuff. Oh, how can I forget Bone Thugs and Harmony? Too. Of course, of course, yes. So yeah, we we've, we've liked a lot of music that comes from there. Yeah, for generally. sure. Yep. And uh it's good It's a good city overall and uh, I think we, with leaking head is one we kind of in the last like 3 oh, or 4 years. Another one, Ringworm. Oh yeah. Oh dude, How do you one of my favorites. Yeah. Um ultimately uh the last three or 4 years has been more of like us being there and like getting into like the nitty gritty of Cleveland, yeah, and like especially with the
1: punk scene, they they took a liking to Leaking Head. That's that's a yeah. fact, and we've we've been I com- love it. We've been compared to some of the classic hardcore bands from there, Nine Shocks, Gordon Solie. That's what I think. I think Demo Listen said that about our last release, which I was stoked on. Um, my experience, I'll share because I think it says a lot about maybe Rochester bands, their scene. Certainly says something about me at the time and my bands, but mostly, I guess, me on some level. So I my first band I was in and the second band that I joined after that uh, brain car and bad taste respectively. uh, Brain car had a record out called rock plus roll baloney. And we were going to I don't I got brain car and bad taste on through i sort of grinded on the terminal border message board and got us booked on a fest called horrible fest which was filled with bands that i loved from there and from elsewhere the homo stupids were on it uh we were supposed to play at this bowling alley slash venue with the ropes aka the repos wait really yes we we were on like an awesome fest and i had already kind of mythologized this city because i liked the dead boys i had heard about peter lofner who we'll talk about Pair Ubu, the Electric Eels I was like a f- and still am a fanatic about, and then all the stuff in the 90s, Nine Shocks Terror. I had heard all these stories about how crazy the scene was. It was like I had built this place up in my head m- much in the way that I think Peter Lofter in particular maybe built up New York City in his head, and I successfully got Brain Car and Bad Taste booked on this awesome fest. And then what I didn't do is remember that we had to be there at 2 p.m., not 3 p.m., So we got there an hour later than we were supposed to, almost didn't get to play. Luckily, what the guy let us do was, so it was like two shows. There was just the bowling alley one that we were supposed to play at. Yep. And then there was a show at Now That's Class afterwards. He told us we could hightail it to Now That's Class and essentially play there before there was really hardly anyone there. Yeah. Which we then did. People were, my bandmates were understandably upset with me because I was running the whole thing and I got the time wrong. Uh, so when the early show, why, why couldn't you play the early show? Because by the time we got there, because I, maybe I'm misremembering this, but to my recollection, we were on top of me thinking it started an hour later than it did. We were also running late anyway, for other reasons. Oh, okay. So by the time we got there, it was like deep into the show. Yeah. And they weren't going to put on the least well-known band after everybody else. Like, right. no, that makes sense. And they were probably pissed at us. So everybody's mad at me i got really really fucked up on i got really really fucked up uh i we then played both bands played at this is i was what i would have been 19 i think at the time both bands did end up playing an after party at a place called tower 2012 so did you play
0: the and now that's class
1: yes it, it, the deal was you can get there if you play before the opening band which we did okay. um, and then we played the after party which I, my memory of that is pretty hazy. I remember someone, the Tower 2012 was like kind of like a, it wasn't a warehouse. I think it was a big house that felt like a warehouse. Again, memory uh-huh. is blurry, but I remember people throwing a uh, shopping cart around in the pit, which is very dangerous, and much more dangerous things happened at that venue that I've heard about. Yes, uh, I remember
0: yeah. going to a show, and I think you talking about that, to someone, or maybe to us, or something like that, might have been overhearing, or yeah. it's like, yeah, there was like a they played a, a brain car and like, um, bad taste played, I mean, and it was like people like running into each other with shopping carts. Yes,
2: I just remember hearing about a massive brawl. That was at a different show. That different was show.
1: other Rochester yeah. people. Yeah, we so after that show when we played there, kind of people who had been to both cities, uh and like especially people from Buffalo, which is literally like between the two cities. Started kind of talking and writing in zines that were around at the time about this sort of Rochester Cleveland like spiritual connection slash rivalry, which was kind of a joke. But in Rochester, we were a bunch of assholes. So, like, I think some people here kind of were taking the joke a little seriously, like leaning
2: into it la- a little yeah, bit. Yeah.
1: Later on, some Rochester bands went and played there, I think, with their friends and had an attitude of like, we're going to show them a little bit. And that's not what happened. To my understanding, I wasn't there, so I'm not going to talk shit. Kind of a
2: dumb move, honestly. He's like, yeah, let's go to a different city and try to run. You know what?
0: I I think you could do that. And by that, I mean, when your friend's band plays, you mosh and you go off respectfully. I
1: think that's all that really happened. No one from Rochester did anything bad there. But this rivalry or whatever you want to call it had been talked up a little tiny bit. And there was some yelling and some pushing and stuff that was kind of standard for a show in Rochester at the time. And then one of the people from Tower 2012 pulled the gun out. Yeah. And then <laughs> it stopped because that was not standard in Rochester no. at the time. Uh, I know Tower 2012. Somebody told me that uh, that place, like, was it that place? One of those, one of the punk houses there, like, it got ro- it got robbed, like, three times in a row, like, in the span of a month or something. And then like they started getting guns and then they started having a guy who was like a lookout. And then that guy had to leave for like an hour. And in that span of time, somebody broke in and stole the guns. So damn rough, rough city in parts. But again, I had already built up kind of a mythological image of it. Not the city itself, but just the scene there. Uh, Music from this place has influenced my music a lot. So I was really stoked to play there. And then I fucked it up, which in retrospect is kind of perfect. that was my experience and then i kind of forgot about it because of changes i think in our scene and actually in their scene too i mean i think one of the more like uh, flattering things i've heard recently was uh when a great band from their spike pit and another great band from their flea collar played here in rochester at a punk house stayed with us afterwards and all those guys were telling me yo that show that was like what shit was like in Cleveland, like back in the day and i was like cool that's what that's what we want so that goes our little history with cleveland personal history yeah um with regards to musical history again a lot to uncover but i i guess i'll start with some of the first stuff that i got into and stuff that's fresh in my mind because of this uh there's a new graphic novel out called ain't it fun which is kind of about proto-punk In Cleveland, it's by Aaron Lang. Everybody should check it out if you find any of this interesting. But this, in the early 70s, there was a contingent of a couple bands there who were breaking with trends in music generally and not giving a fuck about uh, general trends in music. You know, we've touched on Proto Punk, other places, uh, Detroit with the Stooges, MC5, everybody kind of knows that stuff. I think the Cleveland scene doesn't get quite as much, definitely doesn't get as much credit as, like, MC5, Stooges, even the New York scene from that time does. Yeah. There's a few reasons for that. One reason that will come up a lot if you talk about this place and also if you talk about Rochester is a lot of these bands, their music didn't come out until later.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Excuse me. I'm Obviously, probably to now. that
1: is important. Your yeah.
0: Your band has to have music. Yes.
1: And a physical format. So that, that didn't happen so much, but I, I basically, let me think where to, where to start with this. I, I guess I'll start with, like, what their mainstream musical export was at the time. I think the biggest, like, Ohio or Cleveland band in the early 70s was the Raspberries. Important band in their own right in terms of power pop. They were one of the first, like, bands you could call a power pop band. Even that band, and they were popular very briefly. They're like a band my mom liked when she was a teenager. I think they were kind of for teenage girls. Really? I like some. Yeah, I like some oh, of their well. stuff. But, but like. I
0: meant your mom liked them. Yes. Yeah. yeah oh, really? Yes. Yeah.
1: I, I That's what I'm saying. When she was like in high school. Because the Raspberries were playing. This was again, as countless punk people will talk about, early 70s. You're talking like singer songwriters. You're talking prog rock. Those are like the big things. And then like hard rock. Raspberries were playing, like, the Who, early Who Beatles, like, even kind of bubblegummy, like, pop music. And that that was, like, their, the big hit group from Ohio, from what I understand. Them and, like, the James Gang. They had 60s, like, garage punk bands, too. And then around 1972, some other groups in, in the sort of poet, coming kind of from the poetry world, almost more so than the music world, start to take shape, influenced by... Stooges and MC5 to some extent Uh, in some cases free jazz that's in the mix very much so in the like Cleveland proto-punk scene and of course maybe above all by the Velvet Underground like one of the groups I don't think this is one we're going to listen to but there's if anybody wants you know a homework assignment to listen to there's a collection that came out in the 90s called Those Were Different Times with uh, three groups the Electric Eels who we are going to listen to. Uh, the Mirrors and the Styrenes. Styrenes is kind of a post-Electric Eels band. But the Mirrors, really good band, but it definitely is clearly just sounds like the third Velvet Underground record. I mean, they have a song where it's just a Velvet Underground song, but with different lyrics. And and this st- stuff was like, the people starting these bands in some cases, like Peter Lofner, these are people who were fanatical enough about the Velvets that they were like trading tapes and shit like that. Huh, okay. Like uh, some Grateful Dead Kind of shit. Yeah, that kind of, four, kind of deal. That kind of thing. Yeah,
2: dick Picks, volume four. Yeah,
1: <laughs> volume four is a good one. That, <laughs> I like that one. Volume four and volume two are good. So, never, never, I'm never listened to the the grateful
0: dead besides a couple. That was that one really good song, and
2: that one really good song. Some of that, that live stuff a couple is good. other good songs. Volume four, that's
1: I'm, good. I like. Uh,
2: I'm telling you, the yeah.
0: in the dark is the best
2: <laughs> record. <right laughs> now. I'm. I like.
1: Like.
0: So I kind of told myself I wasn't ever going to really get into jazz because I didn't want to become one of those hardcore punk guys that like that like also bought records that like as they turn 30 plus they were like, yeah, actually, I'm in the jazz now. Like I don't really (laughs) like listen to punk stuff except for all the stuff that I used to like. It's like, no, I'm going to I'm going to keep listening to fucking punk and not listen to jazz. I'm not going to let it water me down. But now I like jazz and I know a bunch of different stuff. But the Grateful Dead and seeing that specifically in punk and hardcore is like, I, I cannot like. On principle, I just can't fuck with it. I mean, like, it's just like one band, isn't it? That's like doing yeah, that. It's just what what oh what uh, drain. drain yeah no. It's... But I mean I know, I mean like people liking and like talking about the Grateful Dead. Oh, not like a band. I'm talking about like people being like, "Yeah, I'm a I'm a Grateful Dead fan." Yeah, I'm it's a dad. Like, but they're like, "I'm into hardcore." It's like, "All right, man, cool."
1: Like, I mean, nice I job. like I like some of their music a lot, but like, I couldn't imagine wanting to like adopt the identity or associate with no anything that comes with being a Grateful Dead fan. And uh, I think At least that, keep it to yourself. Yeah, yeah.
0: you know, okay. Post on social media about all your woes, but keep your Grateful Dead posting to your yourself. Grateful Dead fandom.
1: So that that actually, that that's a, a decent segue to talk about. I and, and I think listen to my, of the like proto-punk bands that are going to be mentioned, my personal favorite, and in the preparation for this episode I cited, maybe one of my favorite bands in general is the Electric Eels. This is something I heard when I was a teenager and really kind of blew my mind because it had it had an avant-garde kind of arty element to it but it was also as abrasive and violent sounding as a hardcore band would be uh this group started in 1972 uh with um It was John Morton, Dave McManus, and I forget the other guy's name. They had a kind of a revolving door lineup. Those were the two main guys, Dave E. McManus and John Morton. Uh, they started because they went to see Captain Beefheart in 72. And oh. the opening band, they hated so much. It was uh, I haven't listened to them yet. They're called Left Field, I think. They're from Youngstown. They're like a glam band. It sounds like they might be pretty good, but they're like playing kind of conventional-ish music. And these were guys who were very into, like, avant-garde poetry and jazz, but were also kind of fucked-up dudes. Uh, And they were like, this is a disgrace that this band is opening for Captain Beefheart. Like, we have to start a band. So it's Electric Eels, spelled all lowercase technically, in tribute to the uh, poet E.E. Cummings. Uh, This is a band that only played five shows, I believe. Uh, I think all of them ended in, like, violence and the police getting called... Uh, there's a story about I think John Morton like broke his hand at one show. So then at the next hand, he had like a sling. But like he had like I think it was like wrenches or something taped to his hands and he would bang on a big piece of sheet metal while they were playing. Um, he b- b- ran a la- lawnmower on stage. That's an infamous story. I mean, Steve Bader's from Dead Boys. His version of that story is that the owner's cat came out and ran into the lawnmower and there was blood everywhere. That's probably made up. Uh, the, Seems made up. The, that sounds fair. The, the w- version that probably actually happened was it was on a gig with in 74 with them, the Mirrors, who I mentioned, and Rocket from the Tombs with Peter Loeffner and members of Ubu and the Dead Boys, kind of one of the groups that you'd hear about the most because of who was in it. Uh, that was like a showcase gig in 74 for this kind of new scene. Uh, the Eels played. He did the lawnmower thing. And afterwards, while one of the – I think the Mirrors were playing – John Morton from the Eels got into some kind of confrontation with his wife that got physical, uh, which is fucked up, of course. And there's a story of him trying to put a pool cue in her mouth while holding her on the ground. So John Morton was an unstable individual. This is somebody who was abused by his mother. And uh, they left Cleveland because he fucked too many people's wives, like kind of a kind of a dangerous guy by many accounts. Huh. So I right, I would for the the women they're gonna yeah.
2: they're gonna get AIDS
1: but they in '75 they had gotten before I, AIDS Tim yeah oh shit pre <laughs> the, AIDS yes they had no bass player drummers were in and out a lot of some of the recordings don't have drums but really all their recordings there's some live stuff and then in '75 they got I think it was their last drummer Nick Knox later of the Cramps was in the band and he. They recorded like all their songs in 75 right before they broke up. Um, a few years after that, John Savage uh, in the UK heard, I think, from the Ubu guys, some of those recordings and got Rough Trade Records in the UK to put out a single. It's uh, the song Agitated on the A side and another song called Cyclotron on the B side. I guess we'll start where I started with this band and just listen to the A side for now Agitated and uh, we can give our perspective on what we think of that that classic tune. All
3: right. Oh, I'm so agitated, so agitated. Run through the washing machine, agitated. I'm so agitated, I'm so convoluted. I don't know what I know, but I just like to shoot it. It's 5 a.m. and I'm from the wall. Just waiting. I'm so agitated, so agitated, eh, ah, eh, ah, 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 agitated, I'm so agitated, so agitated, I'm so agitated, I'm so agitated, that I'm so agitated, you know what I mean, I think the whole world is and I don't need no shrink I just hate it.
1: So that was Electric Eels doing uh, Agitated, recorded 1975.
0: Yeah, that's, I can't imagine hearing that in 1975, because this is 75, so what, the Ramones have maybe put out one album? No, not even. Not, not even, even a not year not later. Even. Like,
1: so if you lived in New York City, you might have like heard the Ramones or
0: something. You might them. have heard the Ramones yeah. by being in front of them. Yeah. Um,
2: and you don't even realize it. you know why am i here um you could
1: have heard this uh, like fun house that would have been maybe the most far out thing but seeing that live in like 74 or something like that in ohio in ohio yes Yes. (laughs) would be like what the fuck and the guy is like clanging on pieces of metal and getting in fistfights with his bandmates
2: and photographers and
1: it's cool they had no bass player so you know what this band is like it's like anal cunt you know? It's like Kulo. It's basically the same
0: thing as Kulo. <laughs> Honestly,
2: that, that kind of reminds me of that uh David Peel dude.
1: I could hear yeah. that too. Yeah. yeah. No, that's definitely there too. I mean it's interesting, kind of there's like with in this Rocket from the Tombs, which I think we should probably listen to next, is like a very clear example of this, like and this fucking reminds me of Rochester too, like in this very small proto-punk scene as small as it was there were like different currents and different influences and people kind of crossed from one thing to the other but there were creative disagreements too like you had some people not so much in this band I don't think but some people who were more into like glam rock like Alice Cooper yeah that kind of thing uh, you had people who were, like, very particularly obsessed with the Velvet Underground, which Lou Reed would have been considered glam rock then, but the Velvet Underground was not. And then you also had people who I, I think weren't that into rock music and were more into, like, avant-garde music. Uh, I want to say the Electric Yields maybe fell more into that category, yeah. especially if you listen to some of their other stuff. Like, they have songs that are very, like... It's like they took the most annoying five notes from a free jazz record, and yeah. they'll just play it over and over. And the singer is, like, ranting and raving and doing kind of, like, beat poetry almost kind of stuff. It. They have like, a lot of stuff recorded, by the way. There's a lot of I, Eel stuff.
0: When, when was the death like single when did that come out 74? that came out in
1: 76 but i th- i think but, so but yeah, they yeah, re- yeah they recorded Somewhere earlier than that though
0: like 75 or something like that 75 or 74
1: i i thought i want to say death recorded in like 74 they were around very early
0: yeah i think they started in like 72 or yes something like that's that. around
1: the time a lot of these kind of proto-punk but, started.
0: i mean no i recently had i really had never heard listened to the the detroit or michigan death and i uh, recently did and a month or two back and it's like, oh, it was pretty good. Not really punk at all, but uh barely proto punk. Uh proto punk in the sense that like MC five is, but like well, it's kind of what that you know. like Garage Rock. Yeah, it's like got that like fast garage rock kinda it's a little faster than like some of the other stuff. Um, I think
1: I think at least this the stuff that went on the single, that rock and roll victim single is as proto punk as like anything yeah. would be, I would say. But this this has like It's dripping with
0: like snot. Yes. And like. It's almost like a
2: tinge of like noise rock.
0: Yeah. And like sarcasm. It's being like so sarcastic and sneering and obnoxious and
1: like that, like the death stuff doesn't have. No. And even like the Stooges in the MC5 don't. No. That's something that I think is uniquely punk about this and is very, very. You see that, I think, over and over in Cleveland, even in. More recent I mean, bands. I was
0: going to say Dead Boys, like you kind of hear that a little yeah. bit, too, that likes again, that likes that like a reverence to, yeah. to a degree.
1: This band is uh, Dead Boys. I think they're kind of role. And I think this is why they went to New York City is because they were more of like it's definitely snotty, but it's they wanted to be like a kick ass rock and roll band. And they were. Yeah, this is like it feels like they're making fun of the music they're playing. They're taking the piss. They're taking the piss. Which That's what has happened. There's been bands like that from there since then, and it was not common at the time.
0: I don't, I don't like it when bands are trying to be funny necessarily, but I love when bands take the piss, yeah, and kind oh, of be sure. funny. And I think our band, Leaking Head, kind of does that to a degree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we might do stuff that is perceived as funny, and we think is funny, but it's always kind of like a little tongue in cheek. And just like the tone of his voice is like so irritating and just the lyrics are really really dumb like yeah this is like what proto-punk this is like as punk as
1: proto-punk can be i guess you know i i'm inclined to to agree maybe just say it is punk actually pretty pretty much this sounds like more like it could just be a punk record than like it almost at least as much as the ramones record from a few years later i would i would say yeah. Um. What do we want to do? Do you want to do one more from them? What are you thinking? No, because I, I think we should move, move on? on. Yeah, uh, we, we've got limited time. But they have a lot of stuff. If you want to check it out. So because of how historically significant it, it is, and because, and again, it's not my favorite recordings from the scene, but it is good. I think we should listen to a Rocket from the Tombs jam. Uh, I'm thinking that then may be Ubu, but there's the rocket from the tombs this that the the, ain't it fun a song later performed by the dead boys this is one of peter lofner's contributions to this group Uh again great comic book about him out now he was really important to this scene because he did a lot of stuff he also did a lot of drinking and doing drugs which is why he died at age 24 but he wrote a lot he wrote reviews for zines he was the guy who kind of made the connection from cleveland to new york city he went to cbgb and shit like that and kind of like made a lot of this stuff happen not on his own but it's interesting that he was such a central figure but didn't make much music on his own he's on these demo recordings he has some demo recordings of his own and he did his only vinyl he was on when he was alive was or yeah was the uh the first two perubu singles before he left but this the rocket from the tombs version of ain't it fun which i believe he does vocals on this later became a dead boys song and eventually was covered by guns and roses so this is an important song from an important band oh was this
2: on the spaghetti incident yes yeah oh that's fun.
1: um so we sh- we're, we should listen to ain't it fun by rocket from the tombs sounds good And compare and contrast it with some of this other stuff maybe <clears throat>
3: You know that you're gonna die young It's such fun, such fun You just gotta buy a gun Ain't it fun Cause you're taking care of number one Ain't it fun When you just just, just can't find your tongue Just stuck it way too deep In something that really stung Ain't it fun? Such fun! Such fun, fun! 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 Somebody came to me and they spit right in my face But I didn't even feel it, it was such a disgrace I broke the window, smashed my fist right through the glass But I couldn't even feel it, it just happened too fast It was fun! Such fun! Ain't it fun when she splits and leaves you on the bum Ain't it fun when you've broken up everything you've ever done And ain't it fun when you know that you're gonna die young It's such fun we yeah.
1: So that was the rocket from the tombs version of ain't it fun again? I had a hard time picking a song from them because it is especially listening to it. Now it's like, I'm hearing it as like different songs from different bands and it is kind of disjointed, but I think this coming off the electric eels shows like another set of influences that was going into what would become like an early punk scene here. I have my own thoughts on this. What kind of sounds, what were you guys getting from this in terms of where they were coming from or anything else? This song in particular, because I'm not familiar with Rock from the Tomb's,
0: like, other recording
1: like uh, output at all or anything they did. It's just this, by the way. If uh, it wasn't clear. It's just the co- there's a collection of live recordings that came out many years later.
0: Uh, I'm trying to, like, think of what. Like, I'm I'm definitely. It's like. I don't say hard rock, but it's like.
2: I mean, I would say like a Rolling Stones kind of vibe. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's got that, like. Kind of like a maybe Soulful, a sympathy, like, sympathy for or, the devil kind of song,
0: soloing kind of thing, and like the vocals on the song are like. I was thinking yeah. Ellis Cooper listening to it. because yeah. I never thought Actually, of that before, but now that you say that, it kind of does ring a vibe, yeah. a certain yeah. like kind of style, to say the least. A, a I mean,
2: lo- I could hear that. Right. That's that sounds like it could come off of like you know loving. Yeah.
0: Panther.
1: I, I know Lofner who wrote this song and sang it, he was big on the glam rock thing and then I think got progressively more just obsessed with Lou Reed. A lot of his... He had a lot of different bands, and the one common thread is they all did a bunch of Velvet Underground covers. Um, the lyrics to this, they still kind of give me goosebumps sometimes, and especially if I were to imagine, like... I mean, even if you include Lou Reed, like... I don't think very many people were talking about that kind of stuff that explicitly in 1974,
2: or 75. Like, no, probably not.
1: The people were still like the Rolling Stones, using like euphemisms about being a drug addict, etc. And the uh, yeah, it's kind of shocking to to hear it like stated so clearly. Um, and it is also just kind of it... like
2: it's like a rock song that's like vulgar. Are there
1: any oh, yeah. covers on this? I am t- uh yeah, Search and Destroy is a cover. I was gonna say Um uh, I Foggy Notion is a Velvet Underground cover. I'm trying to remember if Transfusion is a cover of that old like Dr. Domeno song. Satisfaction cool. is a cover. Um and I think they open with Raw Power by yeah, the time. Yeah, I was gonna say I thought I saw Raw Power. So okay. th- those are like how, influences that are pretty clear.
0: How long was this been around? One year. Alright, so folks, your little hardcore punk band or whatever um this this live collection is 19 songs and it and if we'll say at least three of them one of i mean the satisfaction this song is 20 seconds long we'll say there's 18 songs if even three of them are covers that's 15 other originals yeah bands what are you doing this is something i think about and i've been thinking about yeah no What the fuck is up with bands not being able Three to just, songs. like, write songs?
1: Well, dude, the pe- the c- people who were in this band were the type of people who, like, wrote these songs probably before this band started and were scrambling to find a band to play their songs that they had been working on forever. And I don't know if, like, yeah, the type of people you're talking about when are not, not the type of people who th- it would do that. Like, they, I, was... they put the band together first, probably.
0: I was going to say, uh, a, ba- a band that I've been thinking about a bunch lately, the band Hell Nation, kind of almost from Ohio. They're from uh, Kentucky. Kentucky. And I think maybe also uh, Cincinnati. It's Kentucky and Cincinnati. Cincinnati is pretty much in fucking Kentucky. But uh, that band had like eight billion songs. Like, it's truly, like they put out an LP like every other year and like splits and seven inches that, and stuff but, like that. I mean, another one, Robshire. Rupture. They were like... A million fucking songs. Like,
2: literally, like, 300 songs. It's, it's insane. A, yeah.
0: and, and it's... I guess my thing is, like, when I think of, like, bands, it's just like, why does it... Like, we all understand that, like, okay, I get it. You're not doing... You're not reinventing the wheel. So, like, why do we... Why does it so hard to write, like, some of these song like why can't bands just fucking pump out material like i, I think it should be easier than oh, ever now I think right
1: they, they they probably don't like doing it then they don't like writing music <laughs> th- like, that's kind
2: of what it seems like like these honestly bands. yeah
1: <laughs> like this shit we're listening to kind of is reinventing the wheel but it's like if that's what you want to do you just do it like if you want to write it's, just... it's funny electric Eels have like their collection has like 20 something songs on it and that was like a band that like hated music i don't know like fucking didn't give <laughs> hey. a flying fuck about any of this shit re- kind of on some level but like i don't know if you got something to say you'll fucking you'll say it you'll say it yeah the fuck with okay it. um so well, we should, yeah. should we listen to perry ubu then i i was fluctuating on it but like we definitely should this is one of the most this, this is like them and the dead boys were the bands that kind of left from this scene and went to New York and got more established. And Para Ubu, I think they're more of like an art rock band than a punk band, but they straddled the line because yeah. the line was not really there at the time. And I think this is a band that had a lot of influence elsewhere uh, in music. I would in particular suggest listening to, we should listen to something off one of their first two singles that Peter Lofner played on. Mm-hmm. That's uh, really interesting to hear. And that stuff came out very, very early. Um, I, I listened to the modern
0: dance a week or two love ago. Love modern dance, yeah. And uh, it's funny because as I was listening to it, um, maybe listen to Pride or someone in the Discord I'm in was like, man, just listen to Perry Ubu for the first time. This sucks. Really? <laughs> like, what's up with That's the funny. guy playing the vacuum cleaner or something like that? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> what? That rules. Like, it's awesome. And now I, I would recommend this, folks, if you use Spotify, I don't know if Apple, Apple Music uses does this too. I hope they do but um with something like a periubu um i highly recommend uh, under settings you can switch it to mono instead of having a stereo really which is yeah i've told you about this yeah no i
1: know that i'm just surprised you're recommending it for this that record
0: it i i think it helps because some of the stuff is very separated it is especially with
1: drums because it was a stereo mix originally though but i think but I could see that, especially if you're in your car or something. Listening to... Yeah,
0: if, if you're in your car, it's fun. Like, listening with headphones, I should say, in particular. That is where I think the the stereo things, especially in the 60s. Like, if you listen to some Beatles records, like, dude, I cannot listen to it. Oh, Beatles mono It's got be yeah. yeah, it so to be mono, man. It has to be. So, Spotify has a great feature. I don't know how the quality is, if it makes it worse or something like that. But I love it for something like that. And if it kind of throws you off, try... If the stereo throws you off for that Perry Ubu record, the Mono Dance, try switch listening to on Mono. I think you'll enjoy it. I liked it a lot. Perhaps, yeah. Uh, What's yeah? What's the song? So I think we should
1: listen to the A side of their first single from 1975. It's called 30 Seconds Over Tokyo." I was listening to it earlier today. Actually, uh, yeah, I love this fucking thing. Uh, So some of these songs
0: were on Rock from the Tombs. Yeah, including this one. Were they now? like because like sonic they did sonic reducer mm-hmm. Were they different or like the dead the dead boys take those their songs that they might have done and like
1: dead boy it up a know, little bit a i sense? think i think pretty like just naturally so yeah. the way dead boys evolved from this was that this guy f- moved from youngstown to cleveland who would become known as stiv baders and he kind of injected himself into rocket from the tombs and uh started like pushing he he wasn't playing on that recording but uh it became clear that like first those songs like Dave Thomas of Para Ubu, didn't really thrive on that like those like sonic producer songs like that he was yeah. good on the sort of weird abstract songs mm. and uh due to personal tensions i think again partially incited by this new guy who came around the band split up those songs left with Cheetah Chrome and I think Johnny Blitz maybe was in Raccoon of the Tombs as well, the drummer. They went and started a new band called Frankenstein, which would become the Dead Boys. With those songs, the uh, some of those other songs became Perubu songs. Some of them, were, a couple of them were just like Peter Loeffner songs that uh, you can hear him do on an acoustic guitar on some of those recordings. But All yeah, right. 30 Seconds Over Tokyo. This is the A side of the first single, also featured on the singles collection, Terminal Tower, which is a building in Cleveland. One of their... Big, beautiful buildings in that wonderful city. All right. I said I'd never seen a building that big.
4: in the sky Reaching twisted claws on every side No place to run No place to hide No turning back on a suicide ride Tall city streets coming through my sides and Sprouting clubs of mushrooms like a world so real But this dream won't ever ever end And time seems like it'll never begin 30 seconds in a one way ride 30 seconds in no place to high 30 seconds in a one 30 30 seconds over Tokyo 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 Tokyo.
0: I mean we kind of are at that. I listened to that um that band, have you, I don't know, this band called Cosmic Joke. I've heard about it. I don't know what it is. They're I kind of like the title. The new hardcore record which is, came out with Triple B or something like that, but it's not very good. It's like fi- it's not bad, but it's like just fine. It's like it just reminded me of the Nightbirds, who I loved. Oh, forgot. Remember about that, them. Band? Yeah, that band? Was, I do now, dude, yeah, dude. Now, Their show at Rochester was
1: fucking. Yeah, awesome. yeah. I remember that now. And
0: they kind of did that '80s like, LA, you know, Southern California kind of thing. Yeah, like I'll, really, yeah. really good. Um, a little, like a little bit of surfing. cosmic joke. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I, f- I see a band with six members, and I'm just like, that's not. It can't be good.
1: It Just can't be good. Probably not. And guess what? It's not. I'm trying to remember if pair had bad, six but, members. They
0: might have. But, but see, if Perry Ubu had six members, they wouldn't have three guitar players and a standalone vocalist. They no. would have uh, a guy with uh, a vacuum, a, a vacuum cleaner, <laughs> cleaner and a fan. <laughs> yeah, that's so
1: no, you need six, six <laughs> members. You, the three, gu- have someone the three something guitar different. player thing, with I guess the very, very near and dear to be exception of uh, Black Oak, Arkansas, generally speaking. Yeah, what do you need three guitar players? Get a keyboard, like get a keyboard player instead. Like he could yeah. probably whatever the you, the g- third guitarist is doing, a keyboard player could do it too. Or you know what? Fire your singer and have the third guitarist sing,
3: because
0: yeah. you don't the guys. Like my thing is so a band I do really like Time Ghoul on their second demo. They have a lot of three guitar harmonies. Like you need three sure. guitars, and like the guy who did that band, like kicked out a couple of members, I think one of the original guitarists, so he could kind of do that because I don't know if he wasn't good enough. Whatever. That is something interesting. Yeah. Sorry, hardcore bands. You aren't doing anything that interesting. So just get off the stage. In fact, I think most hardcore bands only need four members.
1: You should actually have less. Probably. I I kind of like having a somewhat borderline unnecessary second guitar in hardcore sometimes. That make can it be heavier. cool.
0: It can be good, again, but it's like, all right five five piece okay yeah, but hey how we, how
2: else we supposed to get uh you know uh, Mikey Dorito in the band it, that's
0: but I, that's really what it boils down I also, to is you got Mikey Dorito to play in the band and cuz he doesn't want to he wants
1: to be cool or something like that he wants to quit the Doritos. You know what I, I actually love though is now the idea I have of like a heavier hardcore band like you're talking about but instead of the third guitar it is a synth player like I mean, a, imagine, like a, imagine like a band that sounded like Integrity, that, but they had a synth. Like what's I'm that all over band it?
0: That was on uh, Ozfest. Bleeding through. They have like a keyboard player. That's cool. And it's a bitch too. <laughs> it
1: should be a synth player. <laughs> Gets, I like too. that idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why dudes don't play synths because they're not like. It's like, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> Dude, not a woman or trans I remember when uh, uh, so I can.
1: Another one of my old uh, bands uh, Love Pork We did a tour with another band Flip Shit, And we were at some restaurant or something And some, one of the employees was We were doing I don't, I don't remember who started One of us was doing the Hey can you guess who plays what instrument game love that and the lady definitely pointed to me and said keyboards and i was like where the fuck do you get that from where the fuck you mean like <laughs> i mean i was the only one wearing a collared shirt at the time that might have been been the issue that would that would do it i assume
0: but perry ubu yeah 30 seconds over tokyo great That'd that was a fun. killer song dude i like, love it <laughs> so i was thinking as we were listening to it this reminds me of something that happens a couple years later it made a Something that happens, but like uh, literally at the same time, 75, uh Throbbing Gristle. Oh, yeah. They formed in 75. Now, they had been, I think some of the members had been like familiar with each other for a few years prior, mm-hmm. um, but didn't really start making music until then. But yeah, they formed in 75. I think, I uh, imagine something like this would be like right up their alley. For sure. If I, they even heard.
1: It. I think to my recollection, I don't know about Per Ubu, but I know John Morton of the Electric Eels, he had a band kind of similar to the like no wave sound in new york which that's another episode but he had a band called x underline x i think that band had some sort of correspondence with robin gristle it was either them or peribu or both so like there was some degree of awareness there and like i don't know industrial music it's fucking cleveland if you've been there uh, yeah, they made steel, and then they didn't. Like, of course, industrial music would... And for like, industrial music, yeah. for industrial
0: people. Makes yeah, sense, absolutely.
2: you'd hear some clomping and clanging going yeah. on in these racks. I do like the
1: contrast, there because there was, like, a scene in Akron, too, with Devo, obviously, and some other bands. And, like, the scenes were close, but I, th- I think they were kind of separate. And I like thinking of the different character of the scenes in terms of, yeah, at Cleveland, they made metal. Akron's main thing is making rubber. That was the big industry there. Like, I Ecron. remember... Yeah, Akron, Akron, Acorn, whatever it is. Akon,
2: <laughs> Ohio. I just remember reading
1: about Devo and he, reading a lot about everyone from there talking about, like, yeah, the city smells terrible because of the rubber. That's the big thing there. It must
2: smell like fucking burnt rubber over there. Yeah, it does. Yes, Stinky it's rubber. true.
1: Uh, yeah, I played there once, too. It sucked. But that's, uh, like,
2: that's like, like you know, having your head between somebody's thighs who were just fucking rubbing against each other all day. <laughs> like a really fad guy or something.
1: But yeah, this song, also another thing I could hear I'm hearing a little reggae influence That sort of rhythm with the guitar in the beginning I know some of these guys uh-huh. I know Lofner was a sort of early adopter of reggae Before it really caught on in the US um, And uh, they're doing some very weird things rhythmically And then at the end it sounds like there's some tape manipulation Things going backwards Yeah uh, This is yeah. This is a great song um, a gr- Great band Yeah <sighs> very weird stuff but but still especially at this point this band got i think more far out later on but it, it still it sounds like a rock song it's like a rock and roll song yeah uh, you could definitely hear the split though from this versus the dead boys like those yes. are two very different directions and i guess if i were to identify a third direction it would be i don't know lofner's recordings where he just has an acoustic guitar and he's doing like a bob dylan lou reed thing but uh, that dude died in 76, I believe. There's a great Lester Bangs obituary for him. And I, for Peter Loftner's stuff, I would almost recommend his writing more than anything else. He has a great kind of disturbing review of Coney Island Baby by Lou Reed, which comes out a year after this, where uh, he talks about. He opens by talking about... He says something to the effect of... When I first heard this album, it made me so depressed that I stayed drunk for a week. I got in a physical altercation with my wife. I beat her up. And then he, like, talks about how much The Velvets meant to him and Lou Reed meant to him at length. (coughs) Then he trashes the album. And then he closes with kind of words that would uh, resonate later on, I guess, or even at the time. Which is something to the effect of... "If you, Because his hero had, you know disgraced himself in his eyes he said like if you want anything done in this world you want it done the way you want it you got to do it yourself which became like a punk mantra obviously not because of that essay but just in general um so in approaching this stuff and we're gonna leave this episode a little open-ended like i'm not gonna say it's gonna be a two-parter there might be this is like talking about the music we talk about we're gonna have to do cleveland shit but yeah i had divided this up into sections about proto-punk and then what i was calling punk proper which i guess the number 1 group comes to mind obviously is the dead boys i think most of our listeners certainly should be familiar with them but yeah. it might be worth talking about them a bit like
0: no i mean we're, it's it's great we're going to be covering one of their songs yep uh, in, in the city in proper <laughs>
1: yes although that band didn't play cleveland that much they found that they fit in more in new york city which i find that really would make interesting sense, like cuz it's kind of like we're kind of a kind of a rock punk kind of like scene was there i mean there's bands obviously but so new york at the time i mean you had television i feel like they were kind of filling the like arty like my lyrics are poetry niche Uh patty smith was kind of like that but also a little more rocking the ramones (laughs) is the ramones and blondie is like a little poppier i think significance of the dead boys to me is I heard somebody once say that they were like the first hardcore band. And in a way, I think that's true. They were kind of the first band to be punk on purpose. Like they were drawing, like, so the stuff like sex pistols clash, early shit from London and the early shit from New York, Patti Smith, Ramones, like we can look back to 1975 and say, Oh, that was punk. But like, those bands were just doing their own thing at the time for the most part. Yeah, they were like, oh, we're punk? Oh, right. Okay, sure. I mean, that name was like a joke name of a fanzine in New York, but like it, and those bands were all kind of inspired by different things that had happened earlier and whatever. The Dead Boys were a band that was actually like draw, drawing from those same influences, Stooges, MC5, whatever but were also, like, inspired at various points by the Sex Pistols, by the Ramones, by stuff that was happening contemporary in a contemporary way. And also, they just upped the ante on how outrageous and this shit could be. I mean, Steve Bader's was famous for... There's a video of him where he's got the baloney stapled to his shirt, and then he blows his nose in it and, and eats it. He would do those kind of stuntman kind of things. Musically, that band... Has almost a little bit of heavy metal influence I can hear. Mm. Like it's fucking rock and roll. Yeah. It's badass rock and roll. The RD element is not there as much. And it it definitely is like a forerunner to hardcore in in how like crass and like in a way stupid it is. Yeah. Uh first I, album is one of my favorites ever, but I know what you, I know what you mean. Like the I
0: don't want to say self seriousness, but like yeah, taking an influence and being like, we're, we're going to do, we want to do this, like, is very hardcore and punk in a sense. Yeah. Because it's like, hardcore is like, mind of the trap being like, we want to be like the bad brains. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to
1: take this kind of particular thing and push it, like, to the absolute limit.
0: And then, yeah, and versus, I, I guess, the. Previous school of thought was just like, yeah, we're just just rocking out and whatever comes out kind of comes out. Yeah, we're expressing ourselves or whatever. Yeah. Music that sounds
2: like a biker would play it while he's ripping
1: down the highway. Yeah.
0: And then, I mean, and we see it now with bands being like, you know what I should do? I should try and be like this, uh, like this, this one particular band, Uh maybe, uh, maybe a band that sounds like Turnstile. Yes, for sure. Um, <laughs> A band called Turnstile that sounds like Turnstile.
1: <laughs> De- Dead Boys, briefly, I will say, first album, Young, Loud, and Snotty, absolute classic. <laughs> if for some reason you haven't listened to it, you should. Second album has some good songs, but is generally seen as like kind of a flop, even though there are some good well, songs on it.
2: Did that one come out years later?
1: No, there's a live album that came out later. A year okay. after Young, Loud, and Snotty, so 77 and 78, they did We Have Come For Your Children. Okay. Really, the big issue with that album is the production. They hired for i don't know what reason the guy from the band mountain to produce it and i read something from johnny blitz where he the drummer from dead boys where he talks about it. he said yeah the guy he showed up in a shiny jacket with marijuana leaves printed all over it and we immediately knew that we fucked up but we did we (laughs) did did the album that's uh, kind of awesome actually it, is, it does sound like an awesome shirt, that's for sure. I mean,
2: because when right, I just think about, like, the Dead Boys, you know, they're all probably wearing, like, leather jackets and shit, and then it's like, yeah. like this fucking, like... I mean, I don't hey, know if hey, hippie's hey. the right word, but... <laughs> uh, le- hippie leftover. Yeah.
1: Um. The other kind of punk proper group... I mean, there were a lot, like... One thing I've noticed with this scene, and interestingly, New York City's the same way, is even in the early 80s, you had bands that sound more like 70s punk than, like, hardcore. There was hardcore bands, too another classic one i don't know if we're gonna to listen to them or not but the pagans is a, a band that i grew up listening to a bit that's maybe a little less aggressive than the dead boys but that that band is they're interesting because they like broke up and came back in the early 80s and sort of like rejoined a scene that had grown without them um We should listen to them. I don't think I've ever listened to them. Let's let's listen to the first single then. That's uh, Street Where Nobody Lives by the Pagans. Let's listen to that one. That's it's just good rock and roll shit. Okay.
3: One, two, three, (laughs) four. Is the nonsense that you're fitting? Everybody hates you for the things you died in the building. Don't you try to tell me that you're not hurt Television faces give away what you think. Meet me on the street where nobody lives. Meet me on the street where nobody lives.
1: So it was the A-side of the first Pagan single, uh, Street Where Nobody Lives. That's from 1978. They uh, they formed a few years before that. I main thing I know about this band's background is the one guy, Michael Hudson, went on to start a label called Terminal Records that put out a Cleveland Confidential comp in 82, which we'll leave that alone for now. We'll get to it another time. But uh, this band, yeah, they've kind of had a cult following for as long as I've kind of been around. This was yeah. like a band if you if you have a taste for like 70s punk you'd find out about this one pretty quickly like after the dead boys i
0: i remember some book i don't know which one it was maybe it was this band Could Be your life some book where a punk talk about punk bands and this was this band was mentioned yeah like, pretty frequently I, like, that makes sense in the, yes. in the area it's like
1: yeah you saw this band
0: and you're like they played, okay i'm in the punk now. they played
1: a lot they broke up and then they came back i think and were kind of a big part of the scene again in the early eighties. Um, Gary made a good point that I would not have thought of about the vocals. You said it's like, a almost like not intentionally, but a goth vibe. Kind yeah. Of. Like, yeah,
2: yeah. You know what I, You know what I'm getting at? Like that was yeah. kind of right.
1: You can hear that like on that Cleveland confidential comp. And there's another one called they pelted us with rocks and garbage. Great, great title. Um, the scene in the early 80s kind of it like I said, it's it's all over the place in Cleveland, which doesn't these. So you hear about you read American Hardcore and it's like, yeah, we're the Boston crew or like D.C. We're repping yeah. our scene. I don't think anyone in Cleveland has ever been like that, except for in the 90s to some extent later. Late, late like, 80s and 90s. Yeah, like late 80s, maybe like it starts, I guess It it's kind of an insular place. I'll say that. Uh, we might have somebody from there on to talk about this more at length, but it is like a place that doesn't care to this day about trends happening anywhere else or anything else. Uh, and I think that's why you end up like there is. The, but to your point, there were like death rocky kind of bands from there in the early 80s that played with hardcore bands that were on comps with bands that still kind of sound like the Electric Eels and feature members of the Electric Heels. Yeah. Yeah, so
0: this is like a scene where like the people that if they left, they would they maybe came back. Right. Maybe if their band broke up, they had another band. Yeah. They weren't for sure. like Yeah, that was cool when I was like 17 to 20 and then I never did it again and I just sold, you know, uh cars.
1: And then another <laughs> yeah. weird, right? At the same time another thing I noticed in researching for this that I find interesting is it's also not a place where like people did the same band for 15 years no unless they really took off like Pierubu was around for a while but yeah it's interesting because like in new york and some other places that was seemed to be more likely to happen i have to put some of it down to like maintaining the same band is hard you need like resources and you also need like outside interests to like make you think like
0: that should keep doing this. that it,
1: it's it's it would be better for your quote-unquote career or whatever to keep the same band versus like if you're just like working as a file clerk <laughs> as uh artist harvey or writer harvey picar did uh and then like doing this in your free time it's like yeah it doesn't matter if it's fucking the refrigerators or fucking the freezers r- the freezers like we those could be my two different bands johnny and the dicks that's Side note, that's the guy, we watched the video earlier, after the Electric Eels, John Morton, had a group called Johnny and the Dicks. They self-released one album that had no record in it. It was just a sleeve with penises drawn on it. And uh, they would play shows where they did a lot of things but didn't play music.
0: That's uh, and that's awesome.
1: Yeah, very cool, very cool. Um, I think tackling the hardcore scene there is going to be a whole nother at least hour and a half episode yeah so i'm thinking maybe i'm not sure we'll how, say how we're gonna come back to this but we're probably gonna have to leave this and come back i'm thinking probably
0: with with the city to city thing we're gonna stumble i mean mem uh, nashville was yeah you're not gonna easy. have a two-part we, episode on that i mean yeah we we found some stuff yeah uh from the roots you know as as best we could i'm sure we missed some stuff but uh we found some stuff that we were familiar with and we talked about and you know Maybe we uh, we probably won't ever revisit again, uh, which is fine because there's tons of other cities I mean, like uh, Nashville.
2: Unless for uh, somehow there's like a big, you know, punk music or hardcore music explosion in Nashville. Yeah, or sometime soon.
0: something
1: came out that we
0: like an American hardcore of Nashville comes out and it's like, whoa, wow. Or they
1: We discover it's it's like that those guys, those like black nationalist guys who say that like Thomas Jefferson was black or like King Louis or whatever. Yeah, it's like somebody comes out. It's like. Actually, Ian Mackay was from Nashville. You've all been lied to yeah. your whole lives about where Sid Vicious was from. And it w- <laughs> Sid Vicious. He's, he's from Nashville, yeah. Tennessee. Yeah.
0: So I'd, I, I, Cleveland is a, in the in this, you know, uh, segment recurring segment. We may have to revisit a, a city, especially something like Cleveland. Uh, you a know, lot of if rich musical a, history. I mean, I don't even think we could do New York City as a thing because that would be I mean, that would be a multiple we'd have to do like, like four we episodes to, we'd have
1: to pick a borough yeah yeah, yeah you know what actually yeah so <laughs> that would be we fun. Got five we got five we could do long could island do. Uh um, yes uh, there's a certain well, band from there that i'm a yeah. big fan of that we've talked about yes <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. uh yeah let's so
0: i say we'll revisit it maybe sh- soon
1: but I, should we announce it now more, oh we definitely the, should just real quick yeah we'll revisit it Maybe soon in some capacity, def, for sure, for sure, and, for and, sure. And we're gonna for a teaser for the hardcore stuff. I think I'm gonna play uh, leave a track by the guns, and we're gonna be revisiting Cleveland physically soon. So if you're the if you, I will say this. I'll plug this. Go to Rust Belt Ripper Fest. It's gonna yes. be awesome. We hope to see you there
0: uh, at the uh, Happy Dog. At day. the Happy Dog, and if we're you, playing, leaking uh, Leakinghead is playing Sunday. Four days. Five shows. Yes, uh, you should at least go to one. Why if die? Do,
2: why die? will also be playing the show we're playing. Yes, yes.
0: and the great Spike
1: Pit from Cleveland and, and many mower and uh, actually a lot of uh, the show we're playing is sick. Yeah, and if you know about this stuff, show sick. It, I will say the '80s Cleveland stuff. I had a hard time researching. So if you know about this stuff and you want to give me fucking give us fucking tidbits, like please, we are looking. For information on this stuff, because getting information on the Internet just keeps getting fucking harder. So Google just
2: keeps making it worse and worse. Yeah.
1: And we have. But yes, as Tyler is going to announce, we have March is coming up, as many folks know. And that doesn't just mean St. Patrick's Day. That means March mayhem. And we are asking you guys to uh, make your voices heard this time around a bit.
0: So this year we're going to be doing the top 100 records of the 90s DIY hardcore seen from which is a list by ken sanderson from prank records you should be familiar with prank records label from the 90s or 80s and 90s and 2000s and actually now too uh they put out a ton of stuff that if you are into anything in the 90s and 2000s you are a fan of iron lung his hero is gone gauze the best fucking hardcore band ever they put out they had a hand in putting out stuff they had a hand in a bunch of stuff in hardcore and underground stuff music in the '90s, especially. And the list is very cool if you can Google it, and it should pop up pretty easily. Uh, top 100 records of the '90s, and like the Prank first Records, or second search result. Uh, which, uh, thank you, Google. And uh, <laughs> even though I just said you suck, yeah, thank you. I mean, it is awful, but uh, we're going to ask you, our listener. We're going to create a. We kind of have a. A survey thing. We're trying to figure out how we how to do it without uh, paying hundreds of dollars. Uh, a survey for our listeners to vote for a specific amount. I think the top twenty records out of the list of one hundred that will get a buy in a you know for the NCAA and other tournaments. There's usually there's sometimes a buy there's, with the C. There's an
2: uneven amount of you know uh, releases here because yeah for the basketball it's sixty four. Yeah. We got a hundred, though. You know, kind of hard to
0: do a bracket. So we, we need a couple of buys that get past the fir- first round. And they would because uh, you know. Oh, it, I
2: thought it was we were doing what is it? Twenty eight.
0: We were doing yeah, twenty eight, or... but we're gonna. Oh, they're we're, right, they're forget, forget. they're going to be voting for twenty, and I believe eight. We're gonna randomize, uh, because like the puss had one that we did two years ago. We did, I think,
1: com- it completely either it ran. was no, yeah. it was it was based upon the well, rankings. His was, his was in order, and the prank records one is explicitly not in order of preference. So, for courtesy of the prank records guy, he said they're not in order. order. So basically, all we're asking you to do, if you're so inclined, is there's going to be a link you can click on it, and you're gonna, on some sort of form, from some sort of selections of records, pick your favorite, and then that'll be tabulated and used to calculate who gets a buy in the first round. Yeah, you're not eliminating
0: anything. We're gonna review every single record, all 100 uh this makes it a lot easier for us because then like on, on one level you do get to participate as a listener which is awesome and i think uh this is compared to the 80s one depending on where you're like what when you grew up like i think younger people will know a lot of these records like yeah crossed out seven inches on there no comment is under ass suck discordance axis um a lot of stuff his heroes was, was gone idea. Poise idea. Yep. There's a lot of... There's probably more stuff on this that you're uh, familiar with. Integrity, going back to, uh, you yeah. know, Cleveland.
2: Oh, I, for know. the grindcore heads, excruciating terror.
1: Yeah. And this is... I would look at this if I was, you know, a listener and not a co-host. Uh, look at this as an opportunity also for if there are personal favorites of yours and you're uh, anxious that they're we're just going to nuke them right off the bat because they're going to be up against, you know, gauze or whatever this might be your chance to help buy them some time. So yes. th- this is a great opportunity to do that.
0: I have, and I've listened to a bunch of these records. I mean, the list is really cool. I recommend everyone listen to it. We'll have a playlist so you can like easily listen to it. Maybe have some guests on as well. Uh, I will probably have contacted you by now about it, um, or will soon. Uh, but it would, it would help us
1: because we also would like to see what maybe the modern you know audience What's the things? modern perspective we ought to know what the kids like i've heard m- people have been asking us what the kids are into so we want to yeah. understand ourselves yeah, people love to ask us that yeah
2: we that's like all we get every letter in the mail we get is just like hey the what are the, in the, what mail, are the yeah. kids there's into.
0: some guy that that one guy in that one band that i said was really bad that i listened that's to, like, who i'm way talking old. about <laughs> I, I
1: wasn't gonna call him out that much but we can i
0: haven't said i don't think he has ever listened to I mean, an episode I, of the podcast didn't mention the band's name right? No, I don't even, I can't can't remember them
2: What's the worst this guy's gonna do?
0: I mean, like I said, I don't think he listens to the podcast He just wants us to like Talk about his stupid fucking band And it's like, well, fuck you (laughs) Yeah, this isn't that kind of podcast Also, if you want us to review your band You can actually contact us at uh, At transparent.graves On Instagram That is like the zine That I'm doing uh once every couple months that i will do reviews i will review your band uh it's gonna be like mrr though i do not guarantee a good review or a nice review but i'm not gonna be like a dick no but i if it's really offensive to me and, and i'm like feeling a sort of certain way and i would like maybe you guys could write reviews if you ever if i would, want I would to. love do sure them. let me know because like, mrr review reviews are great because it's like three sentences there you fucking go maybe less sometimes.
2: It's rap it's rock, it's hip hop, boom. That's that's a, that's a maximum rock and roll review right there.
0: And that's talking about Limp Bizkit.
2: It, with the boom included. That's like the yeah. boom. Like that's a sentence.
0: So, look forward to March Mayhem. I think this one's going to be really good because uh I, th- I look, love loved the Pusshead one. Uh I think some of these records though are like some of my favorite
1: records of like all time. Oh, so. also, though, a bunch of records I've definitely
2: never heard before. There's a lot yeah. of
1: stuff on this. There's a lot of stuff on here I haven't heard, so I'm excited. Emo. Some, bunch of emo and screamo.
2: going to be stepping into uh, foreign waters for me, that's for sure.
0: So, thank you once again. Uh, kingsofpunk.com, of course. And mm-hmm. maybe we might have the survey there. Again, we don't, by the time you hear this or thing, within a week. We're going to talk to our webmaster. We'll, we'll get it figured out the yeah.
1: description, yeah. Yeah, we're talking to Donnie. Um, so Donnie Webb. The web. Donnie yeah, Webb. Donnie Webb. Donnie Riggs. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, yeah, let us know what else you want to hear from us and what you thought of this episode. And you know, we want people to contribute. So thank you. Yeah. Peace.
3: People, I'll go to the place. I have to nothing to get out of my face i just looking for a fight I've got have so fucking dry Is this the way I dress? I'm afraid of society Is this the way I think? I miss giving the news Is this the way I act? What act? I'm not right I'm not right I'm not right I took i just i not half, some fucking crime. Is this the way I crash I'm a man of Is this the way I think? I think it a new Is this the way I act? What? that? I'm a ride I'm a ride I'm a, ride. I'm a ride.